Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. It's easier, but... For sure. Well, go ahead, or do you want a statement? <laughs> <laughs> well, Coach, I, I guess, you know, it's we all know with how unique the year is and, and stuff like that, but with the additional time with now getting ready for your regular season in the spring, what... What more could be done or was done with that additional amount of time that you feel like has uh, had your team as, as best prepared as they can be for Saturday? Well, the most obvious one is we had the 15 extra practices in the fall that we would not have got. Um, and then you have fall camp. So that was big as far as getting the new freshmen up to speed, uh, getting some of the transfer kids a couple more practices than they would normally get just through a fall camp. So that's helped Uh, a little bit more time in the program, just understanding how we lift, how we do things. Um, Our process has been big. And then on the flip side, there's been some disadvantages where, you know, we have our 29 practices or 29 practice days before the first game. But the issue we have now is you've got a full school load. And guys are trying to balance online classes and they're trying to balance different study uh, things that come up that normally don't come up through a fall camp. So uh, there's not as many walkthroughs that we get. You know, some of those evenings that you get in fall camp, we didn't have. uh, But I feel like we're right there, ready to go. Players are sick of practicing against each other and they're chomping at the bit to have an opponent now. Coach, what was your reaction to finally hearing that you guys are actually going to have fans in the stands up there? Well, I'm, I'm extremely happy for that, and I know administration's been fighting hard for it. I felt like that that's something that we needed to fight for. Uh, the players deserve to play in front of fans, and these parents deserve to be able to watch their sons play. That That's just such a critical part of college football is being able to you know, support and watch these student athletes, um, you know, do what they love to do. And uh, so I was happy that administration's been able to pull it off. And with all the protocols and all the things going on, uh, it looks like this is going to happen. We'll have 5,000 fans and um, be able to get our uh, student athletes, parents in the games, and then also the parents of the other team's student athletes. Coach, as you kind of building off of that, as you – kind of build into sort of those administrative and logistical things of like how many fans you're going to allow in and, and you're all the way into game week and, and that sort of thing. Has it hit you yet that like this really weird, unique um, 
even in some ways at times awkward spring season is really is upon you. Like, okay, we're doing this. Let's go. Like, let's get it done. Or have you had to pinch yourself at all? No, well, pinch ourselves every day that, you know, that's really here. And then the, the biggest thing is we're just trying like crazy to make sure nothing disrupts it. So our protocols, the mass, social distancing, doing everything you can within a football practice to be able to do those things correctly uh, is, is critical. But, you know, I, I just believe, and, and I hope this doesn't come across wrong because we understand there's a pandemic and it's very deadly and contagious, but I, I just think people are ready to move on and, and they're ready to, you know, conform to what we need to do to be able to play and get back to what we want to do. What have you learned about Randall in the time that you've had with him? And uh, if he's on the field on Saturday, what are you looking forward to, uh, to seeing him show you? Well, he's a strong-armed guy, and he can chuck it a mile. Uh, he's big, so he's hard, he's going to be hard to tackle because he's just a load coming at you. I mean, he's all 6'5", 235 pounds, and he's put on a lot of muscle since he's been here. He's going to be a load for people to tackle. He's competitive. Uh, he'll take a hit and keep coming. That's Those are some of the strengths. Uh, you know, what we're going to have to see on game day is how he reacts when the bullets are live and his ability to read coverages and read the blitzes and where they're coming from and flip protections. Um, and I'm excited for that, to see how these quarterbacks handle that situation because the, that in reality, that's what this team's going to come down to is if the quarterback play is good, I believe there's enough weapons around them that we got a chance to be a really good team. Coach, Rob Fennessey has been up there at Idaho State for a little while now. What have you seen from that program that just kind of impresses you and the rebuilding job he's done up there to this point? Well, I think he's a fabulous coach, and he's done a great job on both sides of the balls. They're better right now offensively and defensively, in my opinion, than they were uh, in years past. and it's it's a program such that, I mean, anybody in the league could see those guys winning eight, nine games for sure. And uh, I don't think that they're far off of that. A couple of years ago, they were right there scratching at the door to make the playoffs. And uh, now the only thing they have left to do is just take that next step to be able to be that kind of contender playoff team. Um, I like the way he's recruited. I think he's definitely recruiting into a system. Um, and, like I say, I think their biggest strength has been their offense and just how that thing is, that's greased up rolling and, and they get a lot of production out of the players that they've had up there. It looks like Tyler Vanderwall, the transfer from Wyoming, is going to be their guy at quarterback. What do you see from him or what do you expect from him, I guess? You know, he's a very good athlete and uh, he played in a lot of big games last year or in 2019 at Wyoming. Um, they were right there to the bitter end against Utah State when he was the starting quarterback, and he played a great game against Boise State. Uh, so, I mean, he's battle-tested. He can throw it, and he can run it, and um, we're, we're going to have our work cut out for us stopping this kid because I think he's a very good player, and I think he'll fit that system well. The size and experience of your offensive line is – it's notable. These guys have been there. They know what they're doing. Uh, do you feel like they've even been able to put things together to where you expect them hitting an even bigger level uh, than what they gave you in what was last year, technically? Yeah, I do. Um, 
you've got a bunch of returning starters on that line. You know, Ty Whitworth and Noah Tongi, Ben Boss, those guys have started a lot of games. And Hiram Tapasoa uh, has started a lot of games for us. So I see those guys continuing to get better. They should be a strength of this team. Uh, we got to keep them healthy. That's the key to this year because some of the depth behind them is young and inexperienced. But they should be a strength of ours, and our D-line is the same way. We had a practice the other day where we were just running the inside run drill, and the violence at what those guys come off. I mean, it looked like a big-time power five, you know, level deal as far as at least those guys, the way they go after each other. It was violent and physical. And if we can maintain that and stay healthy throughout the course of the year, um, uh, like I say, we should be able to run it and throw it with the way those guys have played. Coach, I wanted to ask you how you're kind of balancing the expectations you guys are going to be a national title contender and what you're preaching to your team as you guys get this season going finally. Well, hype is, I'd much rather have it than not because that at least, you know, people at least think you got a chance to be pretty good. Uh, I've been on the flip side of that when we first took over here and we're not very good and that's no fun at all. Uh, Balancing it and making sure we stay humble and uh, abide by our process and keep working hard and you know, find ways to get better every day. That's what every team is preaching. So whether you're not very good or you are good, the message is the same. You got to find a way to get better every day. And I I don't have any sense that this team is the flip of that, where they're going to let it go to their heads and stop working or, um, you know, go in and give up a game because we weren't prepared or, uh, and all fight like crazy to make sure we don't do that. Um, But that's college football. Uh, I will say this, and I've said this in the past, I'm not comparing us to Alabama or Clemson or anything, but North Dakota State, Alabama, Clemson, those teams like that that win a lot of championships, every year they're going to be ranked one or two. And if you handle it the right way, those teams have been there the last five or six years. Coach, when when you – we're on the staff there at Utah and now being a head coach there at Weber State. One thing that seems to be similar with those programs and the way those coaches uh, seek after specific players, you guys find ways to identify those players who truly, deeply, passionately love the game. Like every player wants to play and win, but not every player wants to like work and compete and do whatever it takes when, when they're not being won. How have you been able to identify and create, I guess, a system or an ability to be able to find out which players are which and get so many of them into your program. Well, I mean, I think that's an art in recruiting um, is being able to identify the guys that have yet to reach their potential, but love the game such that they're going to work their guts out to become better. And then you're taking guys that, you know, maybe are 20 pounds light. And so some of the bigger schools are passing on them, but they got good frames and they're going to work to get to the level uh, that you want them to be. And then we watch them in all aspects. Uh, we talk to counselors, principals, uh, other people in the, in the community that know them, just to try to find out whether they really love the game, will they compete, are they a team guy, or are they a me guy. And we just do – we try like crazy to do our homework so that we don't miss on uh, the recruits. And then there's a lot of big-time players out there that aren't very good because they don't work hard, they don't run to the football. You can tell they don't strain 
And, and if you get an opportunity to see him play another sport like basketball or even in baseball, you can see if a guy will get in the batter's box and really compete. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for guys that will fight and claw and dig because those guys usually get way better.